Always great to talk about politics. I don't do it exclusively, and we sample a few other things today, but I guess I've had on the show before, he is a lobbyist, author. I think he was even a television reporter in his life, but most people know him from his time serving as a Republican member of the U.S. House of Representatives. Scott Klug joins us on the phone. Hi, Scott. Your Honor, how are you? <laughs> good, good. I probably should probably... Do you still get people call you congressman? Uh, yeah, occasionally. Well, on the Hill, people will still do it, which I find strange. And then around here, yeah, from time to time. There's one guy at TSA every time I go through the airport, Madison, that says, hey, Congressman. Everybody turns and looks at me and goes, who? Yeah. You know, so it's been that long ago. It's kind of that but, weird know, thing where right. you keep the titles, you know, because people still call me mayor on occasion. It's uh, That's nice. Well, I actually have note cards that on the bottom that says Scott Klugin, and on the bottom it says formerly honorable. So well, I go. can send those out as thank you notes to friends, but only people who are <laughs> active in politics know what the hell it means. But, yeah, I so saw you're right. So my background is I have the whole axis of evil covered, right? I was a reporter for almost 12 years. Then I was in Congress for eight, and now I've been with Foley and Lardner as part of their lobbying team for 20 so the reason you're on today, and actually I got a twofer because we're going to interview out for the podcast later. It's sort of more of a general political conversation. But you wrote a great piece, Wisconsin State Journal, uh, this month, and I didn't, really, I haven't really spent much time on this, but it's the the notion, the idea, the reality of ticket splitting and how it shapes our politics. So I'm going to let you kind of elaborate on that for our our listeners. Yeah, so I grew up in a divided household, right? My mom was an Irish Catholic Democrat who was the daughter of a union railroad worker, and my dad was a German Lutheran Republican and sort of a Chamber of Commerce businessman. Mm. So, you could, so we didn't talk much about, you know, the Immaculate Conception or about politics at my dining room table. But when it came to voting, they, you know, they sort of voted for candidates like ordering food off a Chinese restaurant, uh, Chinese menu. So my dad, Republican that he was was a gigantic fan of the of Bill Proxmire, and my mom often voted for Republicans in presidential elections, including Ronald Reagan, whom she liked a lot. So it, it was interesting in Wisconsin. It's almost baked into our DNA. We've got a lot of people around here. Well, look at the last elections in 2022, right? So Ron Johnson gets reelected, and Tony Evers gets elected as governor, and mm-hmm. it's hard to find two people whose politics and our personalities could be any more different. And that you know, Ron is sort of hard charging and takes no prisoners and tony evers jokes about himself that even he calls himself mr rogers in quiet moments (laughs) right um and and that's and the interesting thing is that ticket splitting which political scientists will say ah that was sort of this coin thing that happened in the 90s nobody does it anymore in 2022 it broke out all over the country so if i say for your listeners vermont and politics they're going to think in their head ah bernie sanders except the Republican governor of Vermont got elected for the fourth time in 2022. Same thing in, you know, in New Hampshire, Sununu gets elected as governor and, and the Democratic senator gets elected. In Georgia, which for before 2000 was a bright blue state, then switched to the Republicans for about 20 years, and now it's maybe the most purple of state, votes for the incumbent Republican governor and the Democratic senator. And same thing happened in... Um, Kansas, same thing happened in Nevada, same thing happened other places around the country. So I, I think people were flummoxed and puzzled by this. I think it's really a very healthy attitude because, you know, I don't think the Republican Party or the Democratic Party uh, captures all the truth in the world or also has the best candidates. Well, that's, the why, somebody... that's the why of this. I'm, I'm fascinated by the why. I, I think it's a good thing. And I think it's a great thing. And I think people should start exercising that power a lot more. But the why of it, why do you think this is starting to catch fire? 
Well, the honest answer is I'm not sure it has. I think it happened in off-year elections. The sad part is if you look at the House, Steve, and I don't have the number in front of me, but it's something only like 13 congressional districts in the country were elected by a member of one party who was different than the president who won the campaign. Hmm. And so when it comes to presidential years, it tends to be pretty straight voting. In tickets in um, off years, I think people are much more thoughtful about who they vote for because it may still be, to some degree, local politics, um, rather than just what I think we've ended up with in most presidential elections where it's pretty tribal. It's not that I don't like you, I hate you, and it goes the other way, too. And that's a sad statement, I think, for the country. I know you talked about in your piece for the uh, Wisconsin State Journal uh, the, the focus groups and, and their power. You, have, you also host a podcast called Lost in the Middle, America's Political Orphans, and I, I sometimes feel that way as well. The power of focus groups, what are they telling us? So focus groups are used in political campaigns rather than just straight polling because you just ask people sort of what they're thinking. So we actually have a friend of mine who does these, who we've stolen a lot of his stuff, and we wanted to know what people thought about the media. So when we ask questions about the media in a focus group, they'll tell you if they trust the media and if they don't, why. And they'll be very um, candid about what they hear from their neighbors and friends and sort of balance it out. And so in the case in Georgia, where you had Kemp running, who was the incumbent Republican governor and beat sort of a Democratic favorite, Stacey Abrams, pretty handily in their second rematch. Meanwhile, on the Senate side, Herschel Walker, who was Trump's appointed person, was running against Raphael Warnick. Two interesting stories from that. First is that Warnock actually ran commercials in his campaigns saying, in Washington, I work with Ted Cruz on these issues because I work across the aisle. That there's about as an explicit an ap- appeal you could have the ticket splitters because he knew Kemp was going to win and mm-hmm. he needed some of Kemp's voters. And, I mean, if you're going to ask Republicans who you'd cite as a Republican senator do you like, I'm not sure Ted Cruz would even be high on the list of most Republican can- uh, voters. And so that was an interesting match. And then Walker really got himself in trouble because when he ran for election, he said that he had a son. And then it turned out, and then he had another son. And then five days later, they found out he had another son and another daughter. So when you talk to people in focus groups, you can hear, why are people voting for Walker? Why are people voting for Kemp? In this case, it was trust that came up specifically with an issue with Herschel Walker. And it was, you know, it's probably the second best moment since Rick Perry couldn't remember which federal agencies he wanted to eliminate <laughs> right, in the right. famous, famous yes. moment in a debate. <laughs> well, here's Walker talking about one kid, then two kids, then three kids, then four kids. Right. He just sounded like he couldn't get his story straight. So focus groups give you an insight into why people are voting, not just who they're thinking about voting for. Scott Klug joining us on WTMG. Now he's also, we're also going to interview him for the podcast, Decision Wisconsin podcast, uh, a little bit later after the show is done. Um, I want to ask you uh, a specific question about the House of Representatives. They are saying basically that the sort of brokered bipartisan deal, we don't know all the details yet, on immigration and border policy that was sort of negotiated with, with the House of uh, the Senate, rather uh, Republicans, Democrats, and with the help of the form of the current president. But the House is saying dead on arrival. As a former congressman who served in the House, what do you think of that? Well, I, I well, so I, well, I don't like it. That's the first answer. I mean, if you go back and look, George W. Bush would say his greatest disappointment as president was not being able to get an immigration deal done. So we're talking about politics that have lingered since two thousand and two. 
Um, and if you if you ask Americans why they're frustrated about and, and we we have when we've talked to folks for the Lost in the Middle podcast, people will say the two things they don't understand is why they can't get funding done for the federal government. You know, these sort of periodic shutdown dramas we have and why they can't get an immigration deal done, because you and I and two guys we drag out of George Webb's and say, OK, what should we do with immigration? They'll tell you we should build a wall and have more security and that there should be a pathway for dreamers and for immigrants who've, you know, done what they should do, get a job, work, pay taxes, send kids to school. Mm-hmm. That's not very complicated. And so unfortunately in Washington, it's much more valuable to hold it hostage as a political issue than it is to get it done. And, and you know, that Republicans are getting beat up. If you go back and look at the vote in the early 2000s on the immigration deal, it was Chuck Schumer and the Democrats in the Senate who torpedoed that one. So from my perspective, it's a pox on both their houses. Uh, we will have a much longer, not much longer, but a, a different conversation on the podcast uh, in a few minutes. But I appreciate it, as always your uh, willingness to come on the show. Uh, if you haven't read the piece, it's the Wisconsin State Journal, and I want to quickly give the uh, the tag. There's Scott Clue, Ticket Splitters, Shake Up, Improve American Politics, and your name of the podcast again is? It's uh, Lost in the Middle, America's Political Orphans, or very simply, lostmiddle.com. All right, we'll have a further conversation in mere moments. Thanks, as always, Scott. Thanks, Dave.